brought to you by Charity Mobile, the phone company that shares your values. More information is available at CharityMobile.com. The German Bishops' Conference are in the news yet again, this time because a good priest who does a lot of good traditional Catholic work, that same group that Pastor Jimmy Martin of the Jesuit Church is so focused on, he decided to speak out in defense of the moral truths of the faith and in opposition to the work that the German bishops are doing, and he did so in a very public manner, in the form of an open letter that you must read, or at least hear, so that I I have that for you here today. The priest reminds these bishops that they swore an oath upon their ordination and consecration to uphold the deposit of the faith, and that they the work they're doing is nothing short of breaking that oath, which comes, of course, with serious moral consequences, which I will also go into greater detail with after the letter, as well as some other details from other bishops who have called out these same bishops. So let's examine the story, the gravity of the situation, because oaths in the church are serious business. The priest is one Father Philip Bochansky, Executive Director of Courage International, which is a group that does the actually Catholic version of the work that Pastor Jimmy Martin of the Jesuit Church is so known for. Father Bochansky has dedicated his priesthood to leading people out of a life of sin that cries out to heaven for justice, and instead leads them to fulfilling cross-carrying lives in our blessed Lord and in his church. Father Bochansky isn't nearly as well known as the master of flesh heresy like Pastor Jimmy Martin of the Jesuit Church because the world does not celebrate Father Bochansky or his works. Rather, it opposes them. That's to be expected, as our Lord warned us of of numerous times in sacred scripture. Father Bochansky issued a public letter to the bishops of Germany that are leading the erroneous synod on the flesh heresy, and I have his letter here in full for you. It's short and is a must-read. So now, the letter of Father Bochansky to Cardinals Hollerich and Marx. Your Eminences, as a priest engaged for many years in pastoral ministry to people who experience James Martin activities, I read your recent public comments about Catholic teaching on James Martin activities with serious concern. You suggested, Cardinal Hollerich, that the sociological scientific foundation of the Catholic doctrine that James Martin activities are immoral is no longer correct, and you called for a fundamental revision of church teaching and a change in doctrine. You took the same stance on this issue, Cardinal Marx, and justified your position by remarking that the catechism is not set in stone, and that one may also question what it says on this important moral teaching. Yet the paragraph of the catechism to which you refer presents this teaching in a remarkably firm way. That is, it notes that the teaching is clearly based on sacred scripture and consistently taught by the tradition of the church. See paragraph 2357 of the current catechism of the Catholic Church. This invocation of scripture and tradition is unusual in the catechism, but appears often when the church explains the charism of infallibility. Its use here clearly means that this teaching, which flows from the anthropological fact of the nature of human beings is an infallible teaching of the ordinary universal magisterium. When each of us was prepared for ordination, like all of our brother deacons, priests, and bishops, we made a public profession of faith and swore an oath of fidelity. When we took that oath, we swore in regard to such teachings that we would hold fast to the church's doctrine. 
faithfully hand it on and explain it and avoid any teachings contrary to it. We invoked the Holy Trinity and the Holy Gospels to witness to our honesty and sincerity. Your eminences, I beg you, please be faithful to your oath. To violate your oath over this teaching would do great harm to the very people you sincerely want to help. Quote, neglect of the church's teaching prevents, end quote, these brothers and sisters of ours, quote, from receiving the help that they need and deserve, end quote, as the Dicastery for the Doctrine of the Faith wrote in 1986. To claim that this definitive teaching can change raises false hopes among our brothers and sisters and is sure to leave them feeling more overlooked and resentful each time the church faithfully restates it. By reinforcing this misunderstanding of the divine ordering of the marital nature, you encourage them to seek happiness in relationships that ultimately cannot satisfy rather than to seek fulfillment in chaste friendships. To violate your oath would also wound our brothers and sisters who strive to live chastely in harmony with the church's teaching or to encourage their loved ones to do so. At the cost of great personal sacrifice, they look to the bishops of the church as their spiritual fathers and seek from you affirmation and support for the commitments to chastity that they have made as faithful Catholics. When they hear you suggest that such commitments are unnecessary, they feel unseen and disrespected by the very people whose love and care they seek the most. To violate your oath would certainly harm the moral credibility of the church in the eyes of the faithful and in the opinion of the world. On the eve of his passion, our Lord's sincere prayer was for unity among his peoples, so that the world may believe. You stand in the place of those apostles and have undertaken the awesome responsibility of closely advising the successor of St. Peter. Your public dissent from the church's teaching can only create confusion and division among the faithful and be a scandal to the secular world. To violate your oath would, I fear, also create great harm for you. As a brother priest and collaborator in the sacred ministry, may I be so bold as to remind you, with great respect and fraternal concern, of the solemn significance of the oath we have taken. To break an oath is to commit the sin of perjury, and to deliberately persist in such a grave sin puts one's eternal salvation in jeopardy. It has been my privilege for almost half of my life to serve Christ's church as a priest, and an immense joy for more than half of my priesthood to serve Catholics who experience James Martin interests and their loved ones. It's a great consolation to carry out this ministry with the support and encouragement of the Universal Church and its eminent pastors. Your eminences, I beg you, please be faithful to your oath. With sincere respect, Father Philip G. Bochansky, Executive Director, Courage International. What we are talking about here is something deadly serious, the taking of oaths. There's a lot of confusion on this point because it appears that Jesus's sermon on the Mount forbids oath-taking, while elsewhere in the New Testament you see oaths being taken by the apostles. I turned to a good, well-sourced article from Catholic Straight Answers on this because the church's teaching is pretty clear. Do not take frivolous oaths and treat the oaths you do take with the gravity they warrant. To help clear the question up and to make obvious why these men put themselves in peril by not taking their oaths to God seriously. I have this from the article from Catholic Straight Answers. Quote, Our church requires the taking of oaths. Before a bishop is ordained or takes formal possession of his diocese, he must make a profession of faith and take an oath of fidelity to the apostolic see, i.e. the Holy Father. See the Code of Canon Law, number 381. Candidates for the priesthood do the same. Teachers of theology in Catholic colleges and universities since they share in the mission of the magisterium, ought to take an oath of fidelity to it each year. Consequently, the Catechism states the traditional interpretation of the Sermon on the Mount that Jesus did not exclude oaths made 
for grave and right reasons. See paragraph number 2153. But rather condemned false and frivolous oaths. Here the catechism again underscores the point that since taking an oath or swearing is to take God as witness to what one affirms, see paragraph 2150, a false oath asks God to witness a lie, which is an act of blasphemy. God's presence and his truthfulness must always be respected, otherwise we mock him. Therefore, an oath must not only be taken in truth, in justice, and in judgment. See the Code of Canon Law number 1199. In truth means the person is not lying and has moral certitude to the facts asserted. A person cannot take an oath who is doubtful about the matter at hand. In justice means that nothing unlawful must be asserted or promised in the oath, such as swearing to commit murder. Finally, right judgment attests that there is sufficient cause for invoking God to witness the oath that this is done with reverence. End quote. We take oaths ourselves. Whenever we firmly resolve in the confessional to avoid the sins that send us to the confessional, that is a form of an oath. And almost all of us break that oath from t- every time we make it. And then we must run back to the confessional and honestly promise to not do those things again. And we mostly fail. And when we fail, the consequences for our eternal destiny are severe unless we make amends. God is merciful, but he is also the just judge. And what this priest is doing here is calling these men to repentance, to honor their oaths, because unlike you and I, who are merely tormented by temptations to sins of the flesh and have hardened hearts and the rest of what befalls poor, sinful laymen and laywomen like you and I, these men have the graces of their consecration and ordination and the full knowledge that the church opposes what they want to enact. They've promised it to not enact them, and yet they persist in this. This isn't merely being tempted in a moment of weakness and falling. What they are doing is calculated and planned. They admit to it and admit that the church has historically opposed their goals. And therein lies the problem. Father Bochansky is trying desperately to help them save their souls. And I pray that they listen because the consequences for them could be disastrous. If they swore a false oath at the time of their ordination or at the time of their consecration, the consequences for their eternal destiny could be, well, biblical in the more common use of that term. Thus, we get a basic understanding of why heresy is such a grave sin, especially when it originates from within the ranks of the priests and bishops of the church, which it historically typically has. This brings to mind something Cardinal Pell spoke about around a month ago or so. Catholic journalist Edward Penton summarized what Cardinal Pell had to say, where the cardinal called for Rome to intervene and correct and admonish these bishops for attempting to lead souls to perdition and destroying the unity of the church through rejection of the infallible moral teachings of the church. Here, the consequences are described rather aptly. Quote, the Catholic Church is not a loose federation where different national synods or gatherings and prominent leaders are able to reject essential elements of the apostolic tradition and remain undisturbed. This not, must not become a normal and tolerated situation. Catholic unity around Christ and his teachings requires unity on the major elements in the hierarchy of truth. This rejection is a rupture, not compatible with the ancient teaching of scripture and the magisterium, nor compatible with any legitimate doctrinal developments. The cardinal respectfully concluded by repeating his request for Roman intervention. Not one of the Ten Commandments is optional. All are there to be followed and by sinners. We cannot have a special Australian or German version of the Ten Commandments, nor can we follow Bertrand Russell, the English atheist philosopher, who suggested the Ten Commandments might be like an exam where only six out of ten questions need to be answered. Christ welcomed and mixed with sinners, but he called us to repentance. So a mass for special groups can be a good thing, provided Christ's teaching is presented regularly, the need for repentance is preached, and the sacrament of penance and reconciliation regularly available, end quote. But will Rome act? 
That's unlikely. And if it does, it will be at the end of the synodal process in late 2023 when Francis issues his document that is allegedly inspired by the synod working documents. And his and this, his document will itself appear to be more moderate than what the synod or specific national synods asks for, but will in reality be itself radical. That has been his track record, as seen with Amoris Laetitia, Caridi Amazonia, and Fratelli Tutti. And there's no reason to expect otherwise. What do you think of what the priest had to say? Or what about Cardinal Pell said in his statement from mid-March? Let me know what you think in the comments, please. It's clear to me that many of the more prominent priests and bishops are coming out in full force to verbalize their opposition to what the German bishops are doing, their innovation and flesh heresy. But will they be heeded? That remains to be seen. But let me know what you think about all this in the comments, please, and like and subscribe if you haven't. It really does help. And as always, pray for the church. I'm Anthony Stein. Ave Maria.